Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Reliance Podcast. Join us Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, 9.30 or 11. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, we are focused, radically focused this month on just praying for the true gospel of Jesus. And there's a reason behind that because we are launching into three weeks where we're going to go through our Christmas series in the book of John. We're going to be studying the book of John and particularly John chapter 1. And we're just going to talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I think it's a, I think it's a, really, uh, a really important thing to do over the holidays. And then it'll kind of lead up to the pinnacle of Christmas Eve. So i um, excited about that. Um, I just want to throw this out there. Something big happened. Something huge happened. Do you guys know what it was? No, it wasn't K-State winning the Big 12. That's just what we do. That's just what we do, all right? It was that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came and stepped on planet Earth and gave his life for us, amen? The word of God became flesh. I know where your minds were going. You thought it was K-State. That's a big deal, all right? But not that big of a deal, all right? And so we, we're going to talk about over the next few weeks this idea of what does it look like in John 1 that the Word of God came and dwelt in flesh and dwelt among us. And so it's exciting to be able to talk about that. I do have to stop and pause for just a minute though. Ryan, can you come here for a moment? Okay. I, I got to notice that obviously I was given props to K-State and my brother was given props to King Jesus. And so I just want you to know this was not planned. Don't ever make me look stupid again. All right, little brother, go sit down. So I, the, middle ch- the baby always makes the middle child look stupid. Anybody feel that? Middle children out there? Okay, two of us feel that way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that we're in the Advent season. I got to be completely honest with you. Uh, with Christmas coming, uh, it's a moment that we do this thing we call Advent. And Advent is simply just the preparation, the anticipation to get our hearts ready for Jesus' coming. And so this is what Advent is all about. And so really, the Advent of something means that that it's the finality of it being here. It's it's finally here. That's what Advent is. It's it's finally here. We've been preparing in it. It's finally here. So if you've been waiting for a package to arrive, that's the Advent of when it arrives. It's like, oh, I've been waiting. The Advent is I've been waiting, and it's finally here. Some of us have been waiting. We've been Adventing for the Kansas State Wildcats to win the Big 12 again. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you KU fans, you're still ad- adventing this thing. And you'll be adventing for probably four or 500 years from now, right? <laughs> like you're at, in football, I guess, basketball, whatever. Uh, but you're going to be adventing for a while. You're waiting for something, the anticipation uh, of something. And so I love this season. And if we're going to advent, if we're going to wait, if we're going to anticipate something, let's, let's get on the thing that's on God's heart. Let's advent, let's wait on, let's participate for the right thing. Amen? And the right thing is that Jesus' life is going to change our life. This is what Advent is all about. Jesus is going to say to you and I, just know me. Just come to know me. I'm eternal life. I'm the one you've been waiting for. Let's get to know him. And so today, as we walk through the Gospel of John, it's all about getting to know Jesus. That's what it's about. You're going to go, what's our destination? I'm going to give you the end point of our destination that you would know him. I'm going to give you the end point. I'm going to give you the, the point of the sermon all the way down to the end. It's that you would just lay eyes on him today. That's it. 
I got no other agenda, no other goal that you would just know Jesus. I'm just going to rattle about Jesus today. It may just be a conversation with myself, but the more that I've read the book of John, the more that I've read scripture, the more I'm just saying, it's just really about Jesus. It's talking about him. It's looking at him. It's beholding him. It's just literally all about Jesus. And so this is what we're going to do in this Christmas season. We're going to walk through the book of John, and we're going to look at the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. I actually don't have time to, to do it today, but I printed this off. There, I have eight pages of scripture of every place that it talks about the good news and the gospel. It was just a big deal. Like, there's hundreds of verses that talk about the gospel or the good news. Whether it's Old Testament, whether it's New Testament, there are hundreds of verses that talk about the gospel and the good news. And so this is really what we're after today. And so I want to just do a, a little bit of background work. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John is the most different out of all of the gospels. Um, if you were to take the uh, Mary and Joseph and the manger scene and the wise men and the shepherds and, and all the animals out of the picture, if you, all of those are great, but if you were to take all of those out of the picture, what you would have is the book of John. Because John is radically focused on Jesus and, and, and who he is. Now here's the thing, we, we love the manger scenes and we, we love the shepherds, we love the wise, all good things, we want to know about the story of Jesus, but isn't it funny we can get really, really radical for those things and sometimes not radical for him, right? So John's just going, I'm going to clean this up for you, I'm going to let those other guys talk about kind of all of that stuff, and I'm just going to get straight to the heart of who Jesus is in the beginning. This is how he starts off, and so um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke they're, they're very focused on Jesus' humanity, which is awesome. They're very focused on Jesus' humanity. John is focused on Jesus' deity. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're focused really radical on what Jesus did. They will tell you all the stories that Jesus did. Here's what he did, here's what he did, here's what he did, here's what he did, here's the miracles that he did. Here's the crazy thing. John is really focused on who Jesus is. It's all the I am statements. I am, I am, I am, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. It's all the I am statements. And so neither one of them, like they're all good. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are good. We want to know the story of Jesus, but John's going, oh, that you would just know him. Okay? The other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are more about factual information about his life, lineage, and kind of where he kind of came from. John is more about revelation about his life. Now that you know him, how does it change you? What's it stirring in you? You see, John, John was a part of Jesus' inner circle. So he had his 12, and then Jesus had his three. And those three, those, those three that were part of his inner circle, they got to be with Christ in some of those intimate moments of his life. When, when everybody else was out kind of doing their thing, and Jesus brought his three in, and John was part of that three, they really got to see the heart of Jesus. And so I'm I love all of the Gospels. There's something about John where you can sell, see that John just sat sometimes at Jesus' feet and just literally listened to the Son of Man. And I love the book of John. There is a reason Jesus actually, John, John is described as the disciple that Jesus loved in Scripture. Now, I find that funny when somebody gives themselves a nickname, you know, in Scripture. You guys ever find that? Like, John writes in his own gospel, the one that Jesus loved. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's awkward, right? Or Moses, we've talked about Moses where he says, I'm the most, you know, he's writing the book. He says, Moses was the most humble person to ever live. Well, you wrote it, Moses, right? So, but John is describing himself, John is describing himself as the one who Jesus loved. And so this is, this is where we're at, John chapter 1. 
He doesn't start with a manger scene, doesn't start with lineage. Here's how he starts, in the beginning. Like he doesn't have to go back to lineage of man. He goes back to before there was ever even a beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so here's the deal. We're going to kind of stop there, but you got to go to verse 14. So if you're sitting here going, well, who's the word? He's going to be very clear on who the word is. In verse 14, he's going to say these words. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, okay, who came, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word is Jesus, the son of God. So Jesus is the word from the beginning who comes and walks and dwells among us. This is a really big deal. Now, I just want to say this real quick. I'm always kind of, I laugh a little bit, a little amused at times when I hear somebody testify that they, that there's some kind of a saying that they said in life where they go, I found Jesus. I'm like, was Jesus lost? You see, the reality is this. Jesus wasn't lost. We were lost. The good news of the gospel is that he found us. This is the gospel. And see, I know you're going to be like, well, what's the big deal? I'm going to talk about language and why language is important. Sometimes when we say we found Jesus, we make it about what we've done versus what he did. Jesus wasn't lost. We were lost. He found us, and this is the gospel. It's not about you and I finding Jesus and then him giving us a better life. This is what we've made the gospel about. This is what we've made literally the, the person of Jesus about. It's like, there was a time I was broken. I realized I needed something, so I went on a search, and I found Jesus. When I found Jesus, he made my life better, and now I'm better. Here's the problem with that. If this, if this is what the gospel is, there was a time I was just kind of broken, and so I found Jesus, and he made my life better. There's going to be radical disappointments in your life because that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is this, there was a time I was lost and Jesus came and found me. And when he found me, he gave me his life because my life was destined for death. And when he gave me his life, I no longer live for myself, I live for him. This is the gospel. And his presence, when we're in his presence, he changes everything. The place where we were lost becomes the place now that we're found. My life, I may still be in the same job and the same thing, the same. My life, though, in the place that I was lost is now the place where I'm found. The place where I came to an end and I thought, oh, it's just over, is now the place where I get a new start in Jesus. This is a beautiful thing about him finding me. Despair, where I was in despair, now I have hope. This is Jesus. This is what he does. So with that in mind, I want you to think about when you read the Gospel of John, because you're going to have a challenge here at the end. In the Gospel of John, he sums up what he wants you and I to get in John chapter 20, verse 30, okay? He's going to tell you in two verses, verse 30 and 30, he's going to tell you his whole goal of writing this book, and here's what he says. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. In other words, Jesus did miracles, he healed people, he did some amazing things. Jesus walked in some crazy miracles, and here's what John says. He did a lot of things in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book. That's what he says which are not written in this book. Look what he says. But the things that I've written, these are written. Why I wrote this book? So that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is what John wanted. He's like, it's not, I, 
I don't want you. Yes, Jesus does a lot of stuff. He's got some crazy awesome miracles. Thank you, Jesus, for the miracles he's doing. I don't want you to get so in tune with the miracles that you forget about the miracle man. And so his whole heart is he's going, what I care about isn't you get fixated with what he did. He did some amazing stuff. I want you to get fixated with him. So my goal for my book, John's telling us, my goal is that you would believe in Jesus Christ and that by believing in him, you would come to find life in his name. So here's the deal. We learn a lot of things about the Christian life. You come to church, we learn how to act, we learn how to live, we learn all these things about the Christian life, but sometimes we don't learn just simply about the life of Jesus. And here's what I mean. We've got a bunch of men and women that are growing up learning all the Christianese. Like you, you can say it, you, you, you know the declarations, you can pray the prayer, you, you know when we're getting ready to do our prayer thing. You can have all the Christianese in your heart and really not know Jesus. L- listen, I- I've got conviction in my heart with this. I've got conviction in my heart. I was listening to a message by Michael Kulionis um, in, in the upper room, and I just want to share some things that he shared here. And like, I just literally, I just, I'm going to share his quote of what he shared because it was really convicting my heart. He says, the Father God has a message called Jesus. The Word became flesh. Jesus says, my words are spirit and life. Jesus is the Father's sermon. Jesus is the Father speaking. He is the subject that Father God wants us to share and learn. We can talk about everything, but if we're not talking about Jesus, we're talking about nothing. If we don't know his heart, we failed. If we can't articulate Christ, we need to go back and start over. Generation Z and millennials, he kind of goes a little bit to the young generation because he's preaching to a lot of them. Generation Z and millennials have been taught identity thoroughly. They, everybody teaches on identity. He's like, they've got identity down. Generation Z and millennials, they've been taught identity thoroughly, but it's not good when it's severed from Jesus. So we have a generation who can tell their friends and God all about their identity, who they are. They can tell everything about their identity, but they're unable to tell others about who God is, which is proof, he says, that they're not living the identity that they're quoting. That one got me. Hyper self-awareness and self-identity is actually proof of the fall, not fellowship with the Lord. If we are better about talking, oof, here, here we go. If we are better at talking about our position in Christ rather than Christ, it could be we haven't reached that position yet. This one, I'm telling you, this one I was like, okay, come on, you're throwing some stuff now. He says, what can happen is this, hyper grace gets into the church. Listen, hyper grace gets into the church, and we love grace, we love the grace of God, but hyper grace gets into the church so much so that we talk about our position in Jesus, and then it gives us a license to declare war on our pursuit of Jesus. So instead, I'm all about position and not about pursuit. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Okay, so he's not done yet. Almost done though, okay? So he says, so we are being acquainted less with Jesus and more about us and our position. We must be careful. 
So when I read that, man, I was like just stirred in my mind of going, man, we teach about our prayer. And, and, and all of those things, like he's not declaring war that those things are wrong. Like position in Christ is big. He tells us over and over and over in scripture, like you have a position. You're sons and daughters. You're seated with the Father in the heavenly realms. Like it's all beautiful. But apart from Jesus, it's nothing. And so if we don't know first and foremost Christ, if we don't first and foremost have this intimate desire to look and behold and see and want and desire to be with him, but we just simply want to know what our position is, we're missing what the gospel is all about. Because we spend less time trying to know him and more time trying to know myself. This is important because without a desire to grow in Christ, you will never learn to live life in Christ. I want to say that again. Without a desire to know Christ, you will never learn to live your life in Christ because Jesus being popular doesn't mean personally he is enthroned in your heart. Oh, sure, Jesus is popular in church. You guys know Jesus is popular in church? It doesn't mean he's enthroned in our heart. We say this all the time. And it's like been a theme for us, I think, over the last five, six years. And that is, the thing we're going to war for the most in the last days is, everybody say intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus. And so John writes this book because he wants you and I to know intimacy with Jesus. So, um, I remember hearing a guy a few years back and gripped my heart, I think maybe even shared this before, but part of the issue that we have um, when we talk about the gospel is we have really kind of an idea of a very man-centered gospel. Um, we have a, an identity of, of, of what, what gets us, you know, into what we want, but it doesn't really have to have Jesus, and it just kind of gets me into what I want. And so we've got a very man-centered gospel, and the only thing that gets us off of a man-centered gospel is when we get into Jesus. And so when the gospel is about Jesus, your vision of him will determine everything. Like, when I'm, into, when, when I'm laying hold of him, like, and he's directing my life, I'm a massive K-State fan. I should be. I shelled out a ton of money to them, right? I'm just shelling out money. Like, so, so when I was up at school, K-State fans, like, ah, you know, so I watch the games, and I'm roaring, and it's great, and we're doing these things, and all of this stuff is like, but in light of Jesus, it's really not that big of a deal. And I'm not like bursting like my fellow K-State fans, like, yay, still, all right? But here's what I'm trying to say, like, in light of Jesus, my, my vision of him, if, if I've got vision, I'm beholding him, like, in light of eternity, this is cool, but it's not life. So when the, when the gospel is about Jesus and your vision of him, it will determine everything. And there's, there's a difference, I heard this quote, there's a difference between opening your Bible with your eyes and opening the scriptures with him. And, and so, let me just share this. If you uh, have much knowledge of like how do you study scripture, there's different terms on how we study scripture. There's this word called exegesis. Everybody say exegesis. Exegesis is, is led out. It means to be led out of or drawn out of. And so the idea is that when you open the text, you carefully read what the text says and you derive the meaning of the text from what it says. So he said, if you love me, you're gonna obey my commandments. So he's like, well, he's saying, if I love him, then what's going to flow out of me is I'm obeying his word, right? So this is what exegesis looks like. It's properly going through the scriptures and pulling out what the heart of the Lord meant in it. Then you've got eisegesis. This is where you've got to be careful. You've got exegesis and you've got eisegesis. Eisegesis means being led into. So what you do is you read the text, you read the scriptures, and you interject your own ideas, feelings of what you think it means. 
So it's kind of where we go through, we kind of pick things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm getting ready to get up to bat or whatever, right? It's like, I'm going to be the guy who hits the grand slam because this is what the word says. It's not really what it says. It means that even if you're failing, you can do all things in Christ. Amen? And so what happens in, in eisegesis is that we read into it and then I interject my own ideas. This is what I think it means. This is where I want it to go. We've got to be super careful with that. And then there's a third one that's not really one, but I heard this one time, and I think it could be one, and it's narcissus. This is what narcissus means. You read yourself into it because it's all about you. And the gospel, we know, is a revelation of Jesus. Jesus is supreme, not man. And this is the battle that Adam and Eve had in their heart. And you go, man, you guys talk about this a lot. We do, because this is everything in the gospel. That Adam and Eve, in this moment, the war in which they had is, if God knows this and we have the ability possibly to know that, we're going to eat of the fruit. And it's this war of going, I want to insert myself in it, and I want it to be about me. And so man's gospel is all about man, man having sins forgiven, man going to heaven, not hell. It surrounds man. It's all about man. All of those things are great. I want my sins forgiven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to experience all these things. And when you come into the kingdom through man's gospel and man's understanding, all of a sudden the Christian life becomes about me. But the gospel is not about me. It's about a revelation of Jesus. Yes, he saved me. Praise the Lord. Yes, he redeemed me. Praise the Lord. Yes, there's eternity in his name. Praise the Lord. But all of those are because of him. Are we, are we tracking? Are we good? It's about him. So here's the deal. Like, when it's about him, it's not just what he's doing for me. It's a, about him. And so this is what John's trying to get us to understand in his gospel. He's like, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're going to crush it and tell you all about the great things he'd done. Great job, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I was in Jesus' inner circle, sitting at his feet as one of his three that got to spend intimate time with him. And we weren't talking about his lineage. We were talking about him and where he came from before the beginning of time. And how he's always been. And how he's the word that became flesh. And he became light. That trans, that trans, when he came light, he took the darkness away. And so here's John trying to convey his heart. This is about him and not me. You will encounter blessing when you go after the gospel of Jesus. You will encounter life. You will encounter power. You will encounter goodness. You will go through trials and sufferings. And you will understand how to have contentment in those things. You will encounter all of those things when you have the kind of revelation that gets you into the gospel of Jesus. And not man. His power, his ability, his strength to save you. And here's the thing. Again, I'm, I'm going to just go back. None of that's wrong. Like, I want to I, I believe in all of these things. I do believe in all of these things. He saved me and redeemed me, and he does miracles, and he's positioned me, and he's put me as a son, and, and all of these things are great, but it's just this, it's this Mary Martha mentality that you go back to every time. That, wow, what, a, what, a, what of an analogy they are all the time. It's this Mary Martha. Martha wasn't doing wrong things. She was serving the king and preparing for the king. He was coming to their house. She was getting her house set up to receive Jesus. Nothing was wrong about that except that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and received him just him one is the real deal one is the counterfeit gospel and we are good we are really good at making counterfeit Jesus's in our life the ones that fit our lifestyles the one that fit our hearts and the one that fit our mindsets 
the best way to, to know what a counterfeit is, the best way to know what a counterfeit is, just know the original, amen? So Colossians 1.15 is gonna tell us about the original. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know who God is, if you're ever like, God, show me yourself, he goes, I did, it's Jesus. He is it. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1 is going to roll. Jesus created all things. He inherits all things. He existed before all things. He sustains all things. He's the head of the body of the church. Jesus is the firstborn among the dead. Jesus is the center of all things. This is what John is trying to tell us. This is what the author of Hebrews is going to tell us too. Not long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, God has spoken to us by his son. The word became, what? Flesh and dwelt among us, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of God's glory. Of, uh, uh, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. How does God speak to us today? He speaks Jesus to us today. You want to know God's heart? You want to know God's voice? Know Jesus. Amen? Amen. But we've made it about other things. We've made it about other things in the practice of our faith instead of unifying around the man Jesus Christ. And it's why we're divided. It's why we divide ourselves over the music that we sing. We sing hymns. We sing choruses. It's why we divide ourselves. Should we prophesy? Should we not prophesy? We divide, our, we divide ourselves over all of the activity rather than the intimacy that we have with him. Only by faith in Jesus do we have life. And four words changed everything. The word became flesh. Let me... Fast forward 33 years, okay? After Jesus' resurrection, he's walking on the road to Emmaus. You guys know that story? He's walking on the road to Emmaus. He's, he's trying to explain to these two guys that he runs into, to his disciples. They, they don't recognize that it's him. He's walking on the road. Their heart is burning, because you'll know that at the end. He said, oh man, our heart was burning within us, but we didn't know it was him. And Jesus is going to spend the whole evening with them. And what he's going to do in that time with them is he's trying to explain to them every story that Moses and the prophets told in the Old Testament. It's about Jesus. Every one of them, he's trying to give them confidence of who he really was and what God has been trying to convey to you and I since the very beginning. It will always be about Jesus. And so he tells them, and here's maybe how it went. I don't know if this is how it went, but he wanted them to know every single book in the Old Testament, all 30 authors over 1,500 years had one story to tell. It was the story of Jesus. And so maybe it sounded something like this. In Genesis, I was the word of God creating the heavens and the earth. In Exodus, I was the Passover lamb whose blood was sprinkled on the doorposts of your heart so that you would escape the bonds of slavery. In Leviticus, I was the temple, the holy place where you met with God. In Numbers, I was your present guide, your pillar of cloud by day, your pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, I was the prophet coming who is greater than Moses. In Joshua, I was the conquering warrior leading you into the promised land. In Judges, I was the broken savior rising up to rescue you. In Ruth, I was your kingsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, I was the pure-hearted shepherd king who rushed out to face all your giants alone. In First and Second Kings, I was the righteous ruler. In First and Second Chronicles, I was the restorer 
restorer of the kingdom. In Ezra, I was the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the walls. In, Ez, in Esther, I was your advocate, risking my life to restore your royalty. In Job, I was your living redeemer. In Psalms, I was the one who hears your cries. In Proverbs, I am wisdom personified. In Ecclesiastes, I am the meaning that lets you escape the madness. Thank you, Jesus. In the Song of Solomon, I am your lover and your bridegroom. In Isaiah, I was the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. Anybody ever heard the Micro Machine Man back in the day? Okay. In Isaiah, Oh, in Jeremiah, I'm the spirit that writes God's laws in your heart. In Lamentations, I was the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, I was the river of life bringing healing to the nations. In Daniel, the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, I was the ever faithful husband pursuing my unfaithful bride. In Joel, I was the restorer of all the locusts have eaten, all that the locusts had eaten. In Amos, I was your burden bearer. In Obadiah, the judge over all the earth. In Jonah, the prophet that casts out into the storm so that you can be brought in. In Micah, the everlasting ruler born to us in Bethlehem. In Nahum, the of God's elect in Habakkuk, your reason to rejoice even when your fields are empty. In Zephaniah, I'm the great reformer. In Haggai, the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, the pierced son whom every eye on earth will one day behold. And in Malachi, I am the son of righteousness rising with healing in my wings. But guess what? The Bible doesn't stop there because the son came and the word became flesh in matthew he's the king of the jews in mark he's the son of god in luke he's the savior born to us in the city of david christ the lord in john he is the word became flesh dwelling among us in acts he is christ the risen lord proclaiming salvation to the nations in romans he's the justifier in first and second corinthians the spirit at work in the churches in galatians he is the righteousness imputed to us by faith in ephesians he's our righteous armor in philippians the god who meets our every need in colossians the firstborn over all creation in first second thessalonians he's descending from heaven with with the shout coming to meet us together in the clouds. In First and Second Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is our redeemer, restoring us to service. In Hebrews, our great high priest. In James, the life at work in our faith. In First and Second Peter, our living cornerstone. First, Second, Third John, our advocate, pleading his righteousness in our place. In Jude, he is God, our Savior, the one who keeps us from stumbling and presents us blameless in his presence with great joy. And in Revelation, listen to this. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It has always been about him. Always been about him. In every place, from Genesis to Revelation, it has always been about him and his gospel. It has not been about what I can do for him. It has not been about a gospel of me. It's always been about a gospel of him, and we use this gospel of Jesus Christ to see him through the lens of the word of God. And this is why Moses, just one more thing. Worship team, if you guys are in here, you can come. This is why Moses, in Exodus 33, we know the deal. Moses, I want to see your glory. God says, I will let my goodness pass by you, but he says these words. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Notice that Moses desired to see God's glory, and God says, you cannot see the full weight of my glory and live. Moses' request to see God's glory is answered in John's gospel. Because John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his, what? 
glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the answer to Moses' prayers that now we get to see the full glory of God in Jesus Christ. And we don't die and we're not burned up. Amen? In fact, we're brought in and we're brought to. And so, here's my challenge for you this morning. In God's word, you're going to see Jesus everywhere. But we thumb through it, and we're looking to find ourselves in there. We thumb through it, and I get it. I do it every single day I do it. We're looking. I'm trying to pull out some meaning that I want it to fit my life so I feel good. Look, I get it. But man, what I want to do is I want to read the Bible and just see Jesus. I want to give you a challenge this month. Would you read through the book of John? And you could say, man, I've read through it a thousand times. Read through it again. And will you look at every single word as Jesus? Every single phrase as Jesus. Every single saying as Jesus. Will you see it as the word that became flesh? Because what John wants us to get across is that Jesus isn't just somebody who gives us the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Jesus isn't someone who just gives us light. Jesus is our light. He's not someone who's trying to guide us into a way of living. He is the way. Amen? It's Jesus. Jesus is not just someone who's trying to help us find life. your eyes in the room just get a picture of Jesus this Advent season trying to get your eyes off everything else trying to get your eyes onto those presents that we're still lacking that tree that still needs to be put up this Advent season trying to work this last final few hours trying to get that last bonus this Advent season trying to get through this this end of this year and seeing our quarterly earnings and where we've been at and are we hitting our marks this Advent season when our eyes are set on a thousand things yet we were created for our eyes to be set on one thing. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to lay hold of you. We want to behold you. Teach us, Jesus, what John saw. Teach our hearts, teach our minds what John saw. In the beginning was the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him, He created all things. Through Him, nothing that's been created was, was created without Him. Father, teach us everything about Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about who we are, find us on the Church Center app. See y'all next week.